I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup and So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize But listen, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life Yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan Heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man Got a cup in here, 52, man, gimme a let's go blues I know Federico, Turnbull, Gilmore, Brown, Chattel, Bothwell, Bay, Bitch, Mahar, Mullen, Millen, Sutter, Pedersen, Pavisey, Curry, Zookley, Uthard, Hunter, Schofield, Reeves, Ramage, Kia, Dunlop, Wickenheiser, Crombeam, Benning, Raglan, Ewan, Micheletti, Ramage, Romming, Pavlovsky, Evans, Cavallini, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man, got a cup in here, 52, man, gimme a let's go blues. The starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast. Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city on the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We've got that Stanley Cup power, too sweet to be sour. And if you're still clueless, we are talking about St. Louis. This is your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Tom Franklin. My co-host is Wax. He is here. He is present after some computer issues. But you know what? You know, just like a good hockey player, you pick yourself up off the ice and you forge ahead. That you do. You got to be able to adjust on the fly. And that's kind of what I had to do. We went from computer to phone and it's still going to work. We're going to make it happen. We are going to make this happen no matter, even though this is take number 45 of this podcast, we are going to make this work, okay? No, not, not really. I was kidding. All righty. Um, reminder that um, if you're listening to this on Thursday or watching it, um, there will not be a review of the amazing things that happened Wednesday night between the Blues and Avs because, well, um, we are human and we can't. Stay up that late and then do a podcast. I'm so sorry. Someday, maybe, but not this day. So um, we might bring back Griffin Youngs for uh, a chat on Sunday to discuss the two opening games, both Wednesday night and Friday night. Plus, hopefully you get the Stick Hungry guys on to preview the uh, Blue Sharks miniseries that starts next week. So we got that in the hopper for you. Um, lots of blues news this week. We'll uh, cover that uh, after we get into another Blue Notes face-off this week. Uh, and Wags, these two are hungry to get at the blues this year. We're talking about Andrew Choi and Dave Aikman of Weekly Nightly. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were going back and forth on Twitter the other night, uh, just back and forth about the Petro thing and, and, you know, being a Vegas fan in general. So I'm I'm ready for them to come out and, and lay it down on us and, and let's get this rivalry going. But you know what I've been hungry for, Wags? I have we we've been without a fresh lyrical genius composition from our own Luke Whitbin, the man behind our intros. Um he has decided for this season that he is going to move on from the world of um you know pop singing, if you will. And he is getting into, he's going to dabble with country rap. He's going to dabble with country rap. 
and he's got a little something to say about the Colorado Avalanche. Let's go ahead and hear the latest from our our man, our the the man that starts every single episode of Blue Notes. He is number one in each podcast and number one in your heart, Luke Whitman. Gather around and sit on down, I'll tell you a story, son. It won't take long, I don't think I'm wrong, it's how the West was won. The Ducks and Kings and Sharks won't even look them in the eye. The Blues, the Wild, the Yotes and Knights will at least give it a try. You've all been warned when they come storming in, just say a prayer. And tighten up your defense, cause they ain't stopping till they're here. They cascade down the mountain like a mighty rush of snow. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, well, it's Colorado. Gabs are stacked, it's just a fact, and let me tell you why. For a lot of years, they were pretty bad, so they drafted pretty high. The forward group is big and fast, led by McKinnon and Landeskog. Nikushkin and Burakovsky alongside Ranton and Sod. And for some reason, Donskoy seems to play the blues the best. And do not get me started on that Nazem Kadri pest. With all respect to Edmonton, the best player in the league, well, he's fleet of foot and dangles good, and he wears burgundy. Yeah, I said it. McKinnon's better than McDavid. You think all they got are forwards? Boy, you're in for a surprise. Because the boys in back are just as fast and move the puck up eyes. They got this kid named Kale McCarr, and he can really soar. How he shoots the puck and jumps on up, you'd swear he's Bobby Orr. They pair him up with Devontae's on paper, a perfect pair. And after McCarr, well, Sam Gerrard, he plays the same out there. Ryan Graves and Ian Cole round out the final crew. And he can't drive a golf cart, but Eric Johnson, he's there too. After all that chasing, you can somehow get the puck. Well, grab your posse and saddle up, because you might be in luck. Because while the Avs, they send their best to take over your town, the guys they left to guard the jail, they ain't the best around. Now, before you think these guys are weak, I'd caution you, my friend. The numbers for Grubauer could rebound to where they've been. When he needs a rest, there's a check-in net, and he goes by Franso. And while they may not be the greatest, well, they're still a worthy foe. Like I said before, the Avalanche, they're pretty great. But anything can happen when there's only half the games. So saddle up and grab your gun, make sure you get your rest. This season should be lots of fun playing hockey in the West. So there you have it. The devil went down to Colorado. That is uh, just impressive. Once again, I, I I'm amazed every time he produces something new and I shouldn't be because it's always so damn good and perfect. I, I cannot wait for the rest of the uh, season previews or recaps or whatever he's going to end up doing for us this year. He's just, Luke is just amazing. Yeah, and you know the thing about that particular song is, is like once you get you know done toe tapping you know to the beat behind it and the fact and and how he keeps up with the rhythm, it's actually a decent scouting report of the oh, Colorado yeah. Avalanche. It's actually based in fact, 
you know, everything that he says. And I, I even show this to Griffin Young's uh, Tell It As It Is podcast host, and he was impressed by it. And uh, just, yeah, this is, we are going to make Luke Whitman famous, damn it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We are, we are, we are doing our damnedest. We are absolutely doing our damnedest. Well, the devil may have gone down to Colorado, but we're going down to Vegas for a preview of the Gold Knights with our THPN brethren weekly, nightly. It is Andrew Choi and Dave Aikman. Let's get to them right now. It's another Blue Notes face-off of the week. It's the Blue Notes face-off of the week. And that beautiful NHL 94 music means it is time for our Blue Notes face-off of the week. We have another one this week. This time, it is our soon-to-be rivals in the West Division. And I say that as a prediction just because of uh, some of the stuff that's been flung around already between the Vegas Gold Knights and the St. Louis Blues. Uh, we have Dave Aikman and Andrew Choi from the weekly nightly podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I would tell you welcome to uh, the show, but I guess you should be the ones welcoming us out west. Yeah, welcome to uh, what's usually the crappiest division in in the NHL. Um, so makes us look really good. But yeah, now, now you and Colorado are joining, so we're, now we're in trouble. Yeah, and your that's... former division is now the crappiest one now that you guys <laughs> left it. It pretty much is. We pretty much yeah, the NHL pretty much just decided. You know what, Tampa, just go ahead and just cakewalk your way into the playoffs. It's you know we we owe you for something. I don't know what, yeah, but we, something. We, yeah, let Kucherov just take the whole year off. You guys, you'll be fine. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, Dallas, you don't have both of your starting netbinders. That's okay. We'll make it easy on you. We'll give you Chicago and Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, great. So anyway, yeah, uh, we we're well aware that the West Division, it's it's going to be a buzzsaw in some ways, but then in others, it might be a cakewalk. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. So before we get going here, let's get the elephant out of the room right away. Let's get something straight here. We let you have Petro. OK, we let you we allowed you to sign Petro this offseason. Uh Petro did not want to come back to St. Louis. I, I firmly believe that. And Doug Armstrong didn't want to play around with his demands. We have Tory Krug and Mike Hoffman now. Neither one of them are holding the team hostage with a no-movement clause. So, guys, we good on Petro. It's yeah. fine. I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're well prepared to know <laughs> that our contracts are going to be absolutely horrendous in, like, four or five years. And then like all of a sudden then old Petro and old stone are going to be slowing down and, <laughs> and we're going to be in trouble. But Hey, if we win a cup, two cups, three cups before that, then I don't care. I'm, I'm it, fine with talking for three or four years. I guess, the, exactly. I guess, I guess Wags is fitting that they're becoming our rivals because they're sounding like the Blackhawks here in about the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. they certainly are. Yeah. So like in, 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 in all serious though, just how excited our Vegas fans about Petro? Uh, you know, I, we we come from a newer fan base, and, and I'll let Dave take take part of this, but I, just knowing that we come from a newer fan base where a lot of our fans are brand new to hockey still within the last three to four years, 
Um, I, and a lot of, a lot of the fans uh, didn't really jump into getting into hockey until the first year playoffs when Vegas started doing the miracles and stuff. So a lot of people are still learning. Um, I think they're still learning that Petro is, should be a household name here and, and that he is absolutely awesome. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think, uh, what, what do you think, Dave? Well, yeah, I kind of agree with that because most people are just excited to have the season back and have the team back. I uh, know that there's a fair number of fans that were upset that we had to move people out to sign Petro, like Schmidt and Stasny. Uh, a lot of people fell in love with the original Misfits from that first year. And they didn't want to see anybody go. But once they see him play, as you guys can attest to, they'll fall in love with him. Um, so we, we're definitely, the four of us in our podcast, you know, uh, Carlo and Eric couldn't make it because of other obligations. But I, we've been hyping that up for a while, you know, I mean, we mention it at least in every podcast. So, but, um, or to Tom, people, people will, warm up, will warm up to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were going to ask you this, but it sounds like you kind of already did, but is there any ill will over shaking up team chemistry to fit him in? I mean, obviously Petro's a great player and, and people are going to see that, but is there any ill will about the team chemistry being mixed up? There's always Maybe. ill will here about that. It, Maybe from some some select fans, yes. There, you know, are some that just they just want to get going and cheer the team on, and just like the rest of us, you know, every market they they miss being in the arena and everything. But you know, things are the way they are. But um, there, I think what I know is me, just personally anyway. More people are giving us crap about our team chemistry than it is coming within. There may be a select fans in the market here that do that, but I think more people are kind of ranking us down because of team chemistry. I mean, it, it's possible. I expect a kind of a slower start and then we'll build up towards the end of the season and then we'll get going. I mean, just, yeah. just watching the, like, you know, everything that I've seen so far in like the training camps and stuff though. It, I mean, these guys are used to that stuff. And, and that's what us as fans always forget is that, you know, for somebody like Petro, who is the face of a franchise and it's his first move, it was the same thing essentially for Mark Stone. And look how well he's fit in so far in, in the past couple of years. So uh, these guys are professionals. They they know what it's like to move around because they they came from, you know, an AHL team or a college team or whatever before. So it's just part of the game. And and I think that, you know, it the chemistry part, though, is, is the interesting thing is like, yeah, you can play with this team, but is it going to work well on the ice in an NHL game and in, in every single part? And that's I guess we'll find out this week, right? And and that's what we're all really curious about. But at the same time, you know, just the thought of having Shea Theodore playing 20 to 25 minutes on a different line or a different pairing than, than Petro playing another 20 to 25 minutes, that's like almost the entire game where there's an elite defender on our ice. So that's really exciting for us. Well, and that leads me into my next question here for you guys. And, and, and I, first of all, I want to point out that the, the professional roster and the veteran roster that really kind of highlighted for me this week is I wrote up the Vegas season preview for Last Word on Hockey. It's available Wednesday, so Blue Notes Nation, you can read it now. Um, but I had a hard time getting a read on who Petro will be partnering up with this season on defense. I guess McNabb, after reading you know what you kind of mentioned, Andrew, about Shea being kept separate to anchor his own partnership, so... Who is going to be Petro's partner, or is that still something that's up in the air? It'll be McNabb to start because he's basically a, a plug and play for a, a Schmidt on, uh, you know, a Schmidt plus plus plus. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's going to start off like that, but I'm not sure that it'll stay that way. You know, if they're having issues with chemistry, they'll switch up those those pairings 
you know, immediately. And at the same time, though, like I, I definitely can see, and I've been reading some of the, the articles out there. Uh, everybody's predicting that on certain power plays, they'll they'll bring both Theodore and Petro into as the two defenders, and that's going to be so scary. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I expect to be McNabb at first too. I don't expect like a super pairing like you know Pronger McKinnis was years back for you guys. Um, so maybe on the power play, but they'll, they'll split up McNabb, see how it works. And things are always fluid. Never, never. I don't think in any team has ever had a full season of keeping the same lines and the same pairings throughout the whole season anyway. No, and Craig Berube is famous for doing that in the middle of games. So yeah, that's it, never going to happen. Uh, now Vegas has never had a captain. Is Petro <laughs> going to be it? No, no. If anybody, like, I, I, I cannot see them. That would be the straw that broke the camel's back that would alienate them. <laughs> if, if you bring in the brand, brand new guy that just cost an arm and a leg and then you give him the C, you know, we, we've all been thinking Mark Stone. Because even though Mark Stone is not a year one guy, he is the most outspoken. He's the most expressive on the ice. Everybody always loves it. Even it doesn't matter what team you're a fan of. Like I, I don't see that many people saying that they absolutely hate Mark Stone because you watch him play and it's just a treat every single time. So he's the guy that we're all thinking would make the most sense. Um, I, I honestly don't know that it would be anybody else. What do you think, Dave? Uh, yeah, I believe it's going to be Mark Stone. And it was announced today. And I, I shared it amongst the four of us in our podcast. I'm not sure if you guys saw it or not, but um, that there was no new announcement. There's no new news on a captain. But my guess is they won't show anything until they hit the ice. That's fair. That's fair. And, and, and even in O'Reilly's case, he had to kind of earn his way to getting the captainship now. But that's taken, you know, you know, two, three seasons of hard work in St. Louis and really earning it. Um, you know, I, I point to Gretzky here while Andrew was talking, because um, in the mid 90s, uh, Brett Hall was the captain until Mike Keenan showed up. And then Keenan named Shane Corson the captain, the new guy. He's just signed in free agency, said, hey, you're the captain. And then the Blues trade for Wayne Gretzky and make him the captain right away. And we all saw how that worked out, Mr. Detroit Dave Aikman. <laughs> why, do why, do we have him on, like, why do we have him on the show? He's a, I don't know. Man? It's a glitch. Some, 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 some papers got lost in translation. It, it's He's here. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> Well, I'm not right. any better. My other team is the. I, I, I remember when Hull got stripped of that, and I was just like, "What are you doing?" I, I, you know, we we spent November trying to figure out Mike Keenan's psyche wags, and we didn't get very far. <laughs> I, I think we, uh, I think we went crazy ourselves trying to figure out what Mike Keenan was all about. Yeah, the only the only thing that makes me pissed off more than a Steve Eiserman slap shot is uh, Mike Keenan just himself, just him. <laughs> As a human being, he's trash. Um, all right, enough about Keenan, enough about Petro. He's yours. I consider him the you know payment for Vegas making David Perron better for his return to St. Louis. So thank you guys for David Perron and making him elite. Um, uh, but now let's look at the West himself. So you 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 go from having the Canucks and the Alberta Bros in your division to the Blues, Avalanche, and the Minnesota Mild. I meant wild. Uh, do you feel this swap makes this division tougher overall? Or are you like us and are just completely unbothered by Minnesota? Minnesota well, kicks our ass every time. It, oh, they are, they're your Arizona. Yeah, they are our Arizona. Where They're not good, but they kick our no. ass. Like we, like we just, every time, they, they, they're a very brute 
group of players where they will just beat you down. And Vegas is very good at that too. And so is St. Louis, but they take the cake when it comes to just kicking the asses of everybody. So like, that's exactly what they do is they just wear everybody down. And by the end of the third, they're scoring something and getting up on us. Yeah, it is definitely, they are a matchup problem with their system. And you just get frustrated by keeping Vegas to the outside instead of letting us go through the middle and through the slot and getting easy shots or whatnot. Colorado, obviously, as you guys know, brings all kinds of talent. Yeah. Maybe not so much goaltending, but talent. Broken goaltending. Yeah. By the way, Wags, don't tell them that we lobbied to bring Minnesota with us just so they can make Vegas's life hell, okay? Could you keep that on, on the down low? I'll keep that secret. I'll keep what that What are you secret. talking about? Like, uh, I would rather face what? you guys what? than the stars. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> like we were happy that the stars all of a sudden went to the went to the east. Like even though physically you are further east than Dallas, like they're like, okay, well, I guess St. Louis is going west. I guess I I, I still don't understand that. And I actually, the stars play us tough as well. So I I'm not going to argue with your claim that you'd rather face us than the stars because the stars will grind you to death. Hopefully we don't ruin your day in overtime multiple times this <laughs> season again. What's the word out there why they put St. Louis in the West compared to Dallas? What's the word out there? There was some early speculation that um, Fox Sports Midwest, or I guess it's going to be Bally Sports Midwest soon, um, wanted to avoid conflicts with the St. Louis Cardinals. And so when the decision, when the talk was about, okay, between Minnesota, St. Louis, and Dallas, who goes West, there was talk that, you know, the, the TV station was lobbying for the Blues to go out West. Turns out that's unfounded. That, that was completely unfounded. We had uh, uh, the pregame host for um, uh, the Blues on recently, and he confirmed that Fox Sports never asked for that. Um, as far as why they're moving out West, I I. Honestly, we never really got a solid answer on that, did we, Wags? No, we didn't, because if you look at baseball, I mean, the Texas Rangers play in the AL West, so how yes, is it that Dallas can't play out in the West? So, yeah, never never really got any clear word on why that's the case. I think it may have been just simply so that Minnesota wasn't so lonely, you know, when going out West, because they, they're, they're a long ways away geographically, so I think they wanted a connecting team that's you know that's with them but then then why don't you and i guess maybe why don't you move dallas, dallas and st, st. Louis, louis west but maybe they were thinking of competitive balance because that would that, basically that would make the west the division of death that, so, I was gonna say, that was my speculation is just trying to keep the divisions balanced but then again yeah. tampa and you know the central <laughs> yeah tampa, tampa and who else Tampa and everyone, although I did pick Columbus to win the Central as a, as a surprise pick because no one ever gives Columbus any credit, and they shock everyone every year. So yeah, I, I had them in the playoffs, and my prediction is as well, too. I think I had them third, maybe, um, or maybe fourth. Maybe, yeah, I think I had them fourth because they have another Tampa-Columbus first-round matchup. Yep, yep. Nice. I, I, I'm just going to be happy when Pittsburgh doesn't make the playoffs. It's, it's going to be fun to see those fans whine about that. I, can I don't agree. like Pittsburgh. I don't like Pittsburgh. I, I don't I think anybody outside of Pittsburgh likes Pittsburgh. So uh, now, now Colorado seems to be the favorite among THPN hosts for winning the West. Do you consider them the top threat threat? And how has Vegas fared against Colorado over the years? Uh, last year. Really, yeah. Ba bad last year, like really bad, except for that, like, you know, whatever you call it, the, the round Robin games that didn't count. Like we, we won that, but like all season, the, the score was like, what was that one game? It was like seven two abs, like or something crazy. Yeah, it was, it was, it was something really ridiculous. Cool. 
they they got us back for the first year when we beat them seven to nothing. Yeah, so um, they don't like us. Thing. I think in all those games that from last season, Robin Leonard did not face Colorado as a member of Vegas, except for the the one during. No, even 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 in the round robin, didn't he also wasn't Flurry in for that one? I can't recall on that one. I just remember in the regular season, it was all Flurry. Yeah, and Flurry does like so. Ever since they acquired Pierre Edward Bellamour from us, or when he went UFA. It's like he gave them Flurry's cheat codes and is like, Flurry's going to do X, Y, and Z, and they just know exactly how to score on him, especially Bellamare. Like, he scored on, on Flurry. I, I want to say he had, like, 10 goals last season, and, like, four or five of them were on Flurry through just the Vegas games. Crazy, crazy. And, by the way, I wanted I, I want to ask you guys about that. So it looks like, um, you know, after the whole sword through the back thing, you know, that, that his agent tweeted, which is still an all-time epic tweet. Um, I wish it was still there, but he deleted it. Um, it looks like Vegas might have one of the more combustible goaltending combos with Leonard and Flurry, and trying to make them both happy. Um, you know, it seems like we will have, a, a, from what I'm reading, a 1A, 1B kind of a timeshare between the two. But how do you see that partnership playing out this year and beyond? Well, uh, DeBoer came out and said it was going to be a 50-50 split this season. That's what he came out and said. Whether that comes out and stays that way, you know, obviously, as we all know, it just how they're going throughout the year, places in the standings and momentum and everything. Uh, I would like to say around 50-50 and just ride the hot, hottest goaltender going into the playoffs. I don't care who it is. Just want to have a hot goaltender in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and we also – we have – rumblings of in our own podcast where uh, Eric really wants them to move flurry so that we could get somebody else um, specifically Dougie Hamilton for some reason. But who's going to do, I was going to say, who's going to take flurry and his contract and his declining production in the COVID cap. I mean, that's going to be a hard sell. Exactly. It's probably not going to happen. And uh, especially with a year left on term after this season, probably not going to happen. I could see him maybe getting moved at the end or, you know, at the trade deadline, 2021, 22 season, like where somebody's like, Hey, I'm maybe we're going to make the playoffs. Let's get a better goaltender. And, and so, or a backup or a really elite backup or something, but yeah, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure what's going to end up happening, but we can't keep spending $12 million a year on goalies. Yeah, and even if we move them next offseason, you know we're going to end up retaining salary. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to have two goaltenders in this league, but when you're paying that much to two goaltenders, that's the biggest issue right there. It's kind of uh, like, Dal- like Dallas a few years. Remember when they had yeah. uh, Niemi and Lettinen, and they, they, yeah. they both were raging dumpster fires? That's, that's the problem, though. They were terrible in making a lot of money. You know, yeah. Flurry and Leonard are not terrible. They're great, actually. No, they're I, mean, really good. I mean, Leonard's great. Flurry's still fine. Yeah, I mean he's he's still elite for his age now. Like if you if you put him up against a goalie of his age, he's probably gonna win. Yeah, um, the mistake was that they signed him to that contract right after his first season here, and he riding his hot hand, and they took him right to the playoffs. And that was a career year for him. His numbers that season were beyond anything of his averages. Yeah, better than Pittsburgh ever. 
Yeah, yeah you, you can't base it off of one season, essentially. All right, let's let's uh, talk Jordan a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to go on. there. wasn't going to go there, but I was thinking it. Uh, Ryan Reeves is always a threat to drop the mitts, especially with, you know, Evander Kane and all that fun stuff. Uh, and, or, or at least he, he can hurt opponents' feelings with his chirping. He, has he hit legend status in Vegas yet? Because we still love him here in St. Louis, and it's been a long time since he's been here. He's an absolute legend. He is the face. He's one of the faces of the franchise out here. I mean, like people absolutely love him. I would say like, if you ask the the random, like not super into the game, Golden Knights fan who their player was, it's either going to be Flurry or Reeves and, and Reeves, especially since he did all the, the social commentary during, uh, you know, all of the, the protests over the summer, like that, that just cemented him as just a living legend here in Vegas. And, you know, he's got his own beer line that, that he's working with a local brewery to produce. I know he did something similar when he was in St. Louis. Um, that's his beer is delicious. It took off here really quickly. Um, you know, I, I just, I think he's got, he's figured out that business aspect that he needs to, and, and uh, really is good at marketing himself for what he is. We know Flurry's the number one Jersey seller here. Reeves has probably got to be number two. Yeah. Wow. I remember when I got a Reeves Vegas jersey and everyone thought I was insane because I got it like right after he was traded to Vegas and he was considered like an afterthought because it didn't work out for him in Pittsburgh. So here I am getting a Reeves jersey. And everyone's like, well, why are you doing that? He's not going to stay in Vegas. Nope. Well, lo, here, lo, lo and behold, he's here till he retires, I think, um, at this point. I mean, I'm 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 not going to to fully say that I guarantee he retires after the end of this contract, but there's probably a pretty big chance. He's, he's going to be, you know, 35. He might play for another year or two after that, but yeah, I, I, I could really see him. He loves it here. I think he'll continue to do businesses here and, and continue his beer line and stuff like that. Um, yeah. You know, he, he, he definitely has brought like that great attitude that you've seen for all those years in, in St. Louis to, to Vegas with him, you know, starting stuff with Evander Kane. Um, I'm, I'm, very interested to see how things go with eight games against the Sharks this season. So it's going to be fun. And I, I know that he pesters the crap out of the Blues now that he, he knows everybody well enough to know how to ruin them. So you'll oh, see him yeah. fly around and just say mean things all the time. Oh, yeah. He, he lives rent-free in some Blues players' heads. I, I, I do not doubt that at all whatsoever. By the way, that Reeves beer wags, it was, uh, it was Center Ice Brewery that had it. And I think, it, I think they still sold it up until recently, right? I, I mean, believe they, they did. Yeah, I think well, they kept it around the, the recipe at least yeah ex exactly exactly yeah we, we still love revo here um all right so we we know about the goalies we talked a little about the goalies we talked about petro a lot but uh just for those that are that don't follow vegas very closely what is what do you feel is vegas's biggest strength heading into the season depth except for depth. <laughs> <laughs> now whether that you know that Goal scoring drought that we had in the playoffs continues to not destroy, but I still think we have good depth here because, especially now on defensive, we had part of it is a cap crunch, though, too. We had to send Holden down, and he did pass for waivers because his contract's higher up. I was surprised but, he was waived, by the way, because I, th I thought he might have been a candidate for a top four spot if Martinez got traded. Well, I I'll have to disagree on that one a little bit because he played that. Bottom, that bottom pairing role perfectly. And when he did get moved up throughout the season, that's when he was pressured more by those okay. higher yeah, lines. So he, really he, especially him and White Cloud together, they they were a good pairing. And I I got uh, friends of mine around here, uh, 
that I sit with in my section. I have season tickets. Uh, I sent them a text and they, they said, yes, Holden's gone. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Did you see how he played in the playoffs? And they, they thought I was nuts there. I'm like, you guys, you got to pay attention to more. He did not really make any mistakes in the playoffs staying on that uh, bottom pairing. No, and, and he was a really good guide for White Cloud. Um, I think White Cloud developed nicely because of where Holden was uh, as his as the left-hand side. So, um, you know, White, White Cloud, I could actually see being a, you know, middle-tier pair at some point because he's going to be so reliable. I mean, the, the kid that was his rookie year, he only played for the, like, final probably 15 games of the regular season and then into the playoffs. And he was absolutely outstanding. And the the thing that actually destroyed me more than actually losing in the Western conference final was that he felt it was his fault on that penalty at the end of the, the, uh, the Dallas series. So I, I just, I, I hope that kid, you know, just I, the ceiling for a stay at home defenseman is, is kind of low when you compare them to somebody like say Petro or Theodore, but they have their, necessary skill set that we need on this team. And I, I think we have a lot of depth in our defensive um, pairings because of that too. So now you talk about the strengths. Now, what is the weakness? Where Where is the weakness in the Knights armor? Center center depth for sure. Yeah. Um, we traded away Stastny. Uh, you know, Stastny is, you saw him on the blues. You, he probably wasn't the best on the blues that he was on, you know, the abs or, or on other teams, but he was okay. He, but he's he's old faithful. He he's always doing his thing. He's not the fastest guy, but he sees that sheet of ice better than most players out there. So he's definitely a hockey IQ guy. You know, I could see him coaching someday. Um, but but for sure, that's going to be a little bit of a painful loss because he's got that vision. Um, we think Cody Glass is kind of like a Stastny Light or Stastny Junior, and he could make a very similar career path in the NHL. But he's so young. I mean, he did he didn't do great last season because of where they put him. So it's like. Are you going to put him on the third line again? And is the same thing going to happen? Are they going to move him between stone and, and patches? Is Stevenson really talented enough to do anything except get one under Allen or Bennington? Like, like I, I just, I, I'm not a hundred percent sold on our center depth. I think, yeah. what do you think? Dave? Um, yeah. Go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say, it all depends on how glass develops this year. I mean, he had a human anchor on his line and they, he's a center and they moved them to the wing. I felt from day one that was a big mistake. I don't like playing players out of position during their rookie season or the second year. Let them develop at their natural position. Then they become more of a veteran. Then you can move them around to different positions. And I couldn't stand how Gallant did that at the beginning of the year last year. I think it ruined them. That got him fired, too, I think. Part of the reason. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, you're talking about Cody Glass and Stevenson. You know, I w- when I was doing the uh, preview article for Vegas, you know, I was – looking into the roster and like i'm so used to vegas like having like being super deep at center you know over the years and like i i, I looked at the roster and i was like well who who's the other center besides carlson i mean <laughs> yeah. i mean who's who's in the center patches and and, and and stone and i and you know just kind of based on what i've been seeing what i saw on twitter for what the lions have been rolling out it looks like stevenson's gonna get the first crack at being in between pa- uh, patch ready and stone um but I, I kind of sat there thinking, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Glass moves up, you know, at some point because he's a former first round pick. They've got a lot of time invested in him. And, you know, between him and Stevenson, he's the one with the upside. So I was going to ask you, who do you expect to be the breakout star this year? I assume it's Glass. Uh, I'm going to say Cody Glass. Yeah, agreed. I mean, 
it kind of has to be everybody else is cemented where they are for, for the most part. Um, you know, the only other one that I could think of is if had Peyton Krebs ended up in the lineup, he could have been a breakout. Cause if you saw him in world juniors, he was fantastic. But yeah, I, since, since he's still a little young and they, I think they want another year or two of development. I, I think it's gotta be glass if anybody. Yep. Uh, there was a few games at the beginning of last season where glass was between Pacioretty and stone. And he played outstanding. Just his vision there, especially on the power play, he found Stone at Pacioretty. The power play started out pretty well last year and then kind of tailed off. Um, once our some of our other players, we had some injuries at the beginning of last year that really threw the lines off. That's why Glass was with those two. And just the potential there just looked great. But I do agree that Stevenson will start out because even Stevenson, when he first came over from Washington, played very well between Stone and Pacioretty. But then again, Lots of players would Yeah, I was going to say, lots of players would play well between them. Wags, I think you could play well between Pacioretty and Stone. I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine playing in between those two guys and playing on an NHL team. Uh, So uh, so we we talked a little about... Put my 6'5 ass in front of the net and let them do do their their thing. That's that's, that's the way to play. Uh, Give give Wags that Evander Kane money, by the way. <laughs> his money, not his bankruptcy. Uh, <laughs> so now, now you guys have officially been labeled the douche canoes by Sporty with Corey and Richie. They seem kind of sour that you rated them last in the West. In reality, are they your biggest rivals, or is it still San Jose with all of their issues, or is it someone else? It'll, uh, it, yeah, it's tough because it, it's definitely still San Jose. Like if you if you look at the sentiment, like if if you're seeing like Sharks fans and Vegas fans that aren't part of the Hockey Podcast Network talk with each other, they're always mean to each other, and and they're always like ridiculously mean. Like, oh, I hope your you know your mom gets sick, and it's like, wow, guys, like calm down a little bit. Like, it's just a game. Come on. And that, that's but, the mild version of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I was censoring that for for the podcast here, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean it, it's. That rivalry, I don't think, could die unless the Sharks go in a downward spiral for at least three or four seasons straight. Um, Which, then it will be like yeah. the San Jose-LA rivalry where it just kind of fizzled out because LA sucks. Um, if they figure their stuff out and they're at least like a wild card contender, then the, the shit talking will just resume. The rivalry will be strong. And then Arizona is just an afterthought to us. So sorry, Corey and Richie. That's <laughs> <a different one. laughs> like, it, we don't take them as seriously as we do San Jose because – they didn't haven't beat us in a playoff round. Yeah. And they they mostly put us in the Dushkinu because they said we kept trolling them about it, kept trolling them about it. Like the four of us looked at each other like, when did no. we do that? We did it once. That was Connor trolling them about it the whole time. It was other people doing that. <laughs> Tom. Um, and they and, and, and trust me, they they let you know when they don't like being trolled on. They they're very sensitive down in Arizona. They they kind of feel like the redheaded stepchild of the NHL. And I can kind of understand that because well, they are. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember originally when I started making the graphic for that predictions, and then I saw that the, the other three, they all put them last. Well, I think I originally had them fifth or sixth. I'm like, you know what? Just for dramatic sake, I'm going to put them last <laughs> and just let fire go out. Yeah, I, I, we all picked them fourth be just because, I, and I think for me at least, it was just because, you know, we want them to, we want to be nice to them because they keep shiving our team, you know, every every single time on the ice. So, um, yeah, that's going to be, I think, Wags, that's going to be another rivalry that develops, you know, out of this is, you know, the, the Blues Coyotes, you know, stop, you know, messing with our, you know, Stanley Cup level team, you know, Arizona, you jerks. 
Um, by, by the way, speaking of rivalries, you know, it's kind of funny. You mentioned, uh, um, you know, the Sharks being, you know, still your rival, even though they're kind of, you know, in, in, in the doghouse lately. You know, for us Wags, you know, the Blackhawks have been pretty, you know, craptacular the last couple of years. I would still say the Blackhawks are our main rival, and I, and that's a rivalry I don't see really ever changing just because of the history behind it. But Predators and Stars were pretty close. But I would still say Blackhawks are tops, right, Wags? At this point, yes. But Nashville, Nashville especially, is really creeping up on that top spot just because their their fans are just assholes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, they're it, terrible. Yeah. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. Is when when the fans are bad and the team can beat you, that combination just makes it. That's a rivalry for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and for and for me, that's. I mean, I consider Dallas and the Blues like more of a competitive rivalry. The Preds are just pricks, yeah. and their fans are pricks. You know, that's just flat yeah. out. I I actually like Dallas fans. They're 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 cool, but Nashville not so much. Already, that's, that's how well, it kind of started with San Jose and us. Well, we've taken enough of your time here. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Where can we find you guys on social media? So uh, I'm Andrew, a.k.a. at Choi VGK on Twitter. Um, and our, our uh, podcast social media is at Vegas Nightly, that spelt with like night, like K-N. Um, and so check us out on Twitter if uh, if you don't already hate us from this interview. And, and yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm actually and, surprised how likable you guys are, actually, because I, I, I expected some more Petro shit being thrown our way at us. Now we're putting it for Twitter so everybody can see it. Oh, yeah. there we go. There we go. L- listen to our podcast that came out yesterday. It's bad. Uh, what, 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 what's, what's it about? You. Uh, us being trolled and us trolling other people. <laughs> uh, the over-unders that we put out, especially the amount of times you said, how many times is Vegas going to uh, remind us that we have Petro? So that counts as one more. Yeah, we're up to like six. <laughs> six Carlo, we have 15 in that podcast. <laughs> Sounds sounds perfect. Well, guys, go check that podcast out. It is a weekly, nightly podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. One of my favorite podcasts in the network. I've said it before, and I say it again. It's one of the handful that I have on my phone. You know, you're ready to listen to. I haven't listened to that episode yet. It's it, it's on the list, but uh, definitely check that out. And uh, thanks for being on, guys. Thanks for having us on. And you can always join us sometime as well later on in the year. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll we'll definitely have to uh, do this again because we're going to be seeing a lot of each. Our teams are going to see a lot of each other this year eight times. Oh yeah, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be okay. fun. Alrighty, alrighty. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, cover the notes that are blue after we uh, hear from our uh, hockey podcast network brethren, the Capture Podcast. So you like hockey? Congratulations, you're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Want to fight about it? Join me, the Hockey Troll, and that snack, Polly Cupcakes, every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content. Tune in wherever you get your podcast and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Chirp us on all social media platforms at Caps Chirp. See you beauties and vendors there.
And now it's time for our newest segment, Notes That Are Blue, because we the name Blue Notes was already taken, and we can't infringe on our own gimmick. It would be confusing, so we are calling this Notes That Are Blue. Uh, Wags, by the way, you probably, if you're watching this, he has uh, left. He is having some technical difficulties, so we're just going to go ahead and pound through some of these Notes That Are Blue really quickly here, and then we will uh, send you on your merry way. So... Uh, first of all, the Rags to Riches story, that is Mike Hoffman, he signs a one-year, $4 million deal with the Blues. You know, as a PTO, sometimes you're just hoping to get that veteran minimum contract, and uh, he gets a $4 million deal. Of course, he was going to get that anyways. I'm, I'm, I'm just really teasing here. Uh, by the way, he looked really, really deadly at the blue-white scrimmage on Sunday. You can check that out on the St. Louis Blues YouTube. Um, he looked. He 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 got a nice feed from Robert Thomas and just cranked it by Bennington and it was it was a beautiful beautiful sight to behold. Who also looked good at the blue white scrimmage? Jordan Cairo. He looked deadly. He scored two goals and perhaps firmed up a spot on the third line. Now he is on the taxi squad for now, at least at the time of this of this recording. But that's a cap maneuver. He should feature on the third line next to Bozak and presumably. Zach Sanford. So I look forward to seeing what Kyrie can do. I'm glad he's finally breaking through and hopefully he finds a spot in the Craig Ruby system that maybe Robbie Fabry uh, wasn't really adept for. We'll see about that. Um, I don't know if Kyrie plays Ruby style, but this year will be an interesting experiment uh, for Kyrie. This is going to be his make or break year. He's a guy that I'll be watching all season long and hoping that uh, he pans out because he could be a really special offensive threat if he does pan out. Um, now, the Blues are going to LTIR Alex Steen, it appears, according to multiple reports, which is not unex- unexpected. Otherwise, they couldn't play hockey this year with the cap. Um, it appears that they only have to LTR Steen. They might be able to get away with putting Tarasenko just on the IR, which basically means you get the cap savings for uh, or the cap cushion rather for Steen, but not Tarasenko that there's, there's enough maneuvering going on to where they can avoid putting Tarasenko on the LTIR, which is good because Tarasenko might be able to come back at some point this season. And so you want to make sure there's a spot available for him and make sure there's no cap nightmares when he does come back. So um, looking forward to seeing Tarasenko back when he is healthy, of course, but in the meantime, it sounds like Doug Armstrong has been able to move enough ducks around to get to where he needs to be for the salary cap this year. So, uh, of course, Vince Dunn signing a you know cheap $1.8 million deal probably helps out with that just a little bit. Um, all Blues players that were away for the taxi squad this week made it through, including Jake Wallman, who I thought was a risky waiver, but he because he looked really good in training camp and the uh, scrimmage, but... Uh, and and he, we could see him back on the roster at some point this year. Who knows? This year might be crazy. Um, looks like Nico McCola and Scott Prunovich will stay around the main roster. McCola and Prunovich did not need waivers to go to the taxi squad. It appears Prunovich might be not too far from the top six. He was the fourth pairing in practice on Tuesday. So maybe that's a sign that we see Scotty P in the blue note this year. We'll We'll see about that. I thought uh, everything I've read, McCullough looked really good in training camp. I'm very high on McCullough. I want to see him get a chance this year. Maybe eventually he takes over the Gunnarsson slot. That's what I'm kind of 
hoping on a McCullough this year. I'm very, very high on McCullough. I don't think he's going to be like a, you know, Victor Hedman or anything like that, but he could carve himself a solid role as a, you know, mid to bottom pairing defenseman on the blues. I don't see why not really. I mean, he's a, he's a big physical defenseman who is not useless on offense. He actually fired a really nice wrister during uh, practice this week. So uh, we'll see uh, what the future has in store for McCola. Uh, sounds like Jake neighbors could be bound for the AHL, the blues first round pick this year, or at least until juniors uh, in Canada get going. Uh, reports are that the blues will put a coach in Utica, their temporary AHL affiliate this season. Cause of course, Springfield is taking the year off due to COVID. So it sounds like that it won't be a bad partnership with the blues and the Utica comments. Of course, Utica's uh, main affiliate is the Vancouver Canucks. So, and I think maybe the thinking there, I just now thinking about it, Vancouver, there is a quarantine period that players have to go through if they're going from Canada to the U.S. and back. I'm wondering if Vancouver is not expecting to exactly stock up Utica this year just because of the border issue. Maybe there's some openings for neighbors or someone else to get the playing time in Utica. We'll, we'll see if that actually does pan out. And finally, we mentioned it during the Vegas interview, Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks. He declares bankruptcy. He's nearly $27 million in debt. He is halfway through a contract that pays him $49 million when it's all said and done. And he's earned a lot more than that before his career. So how do you get paid the multi-millions of dollars that Kane has in his career and your $27 million in debt and you have to file Chapter 7? How does this happen? How does this possibly happen? Who is advising Evander Kane? You know, this is, this is just one of the most insane, you know, superstar to rag stories that I have heard in professional sports. I mean, like, you know, I was you know, reading up and refreshing myself on like Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry from the, from the 1980s. Uh, I remember uh, it was Jack Johnson whose family basically built him out of most of his NHL earnings, which is why he's, you know, dragging his corpse around to multiple teams just to, you know, make some of his money back. Kane though, so much money that just gone. It's amazing. It is just absolutely amazing. The story of Evander Kane. And I'm curious. I, I want to read his biography when this is all said and done because it's shaping up to be an interesting biography. Even though I don't like Kane as a person, um, you don't want to see someone go through this. I mean, that's just tragic. Anyway, that is going to do it for this episode of Blue Notes. Swags will be back on Sunday, hopefully with a better connection and a better computer. But in the meantime, I want to thank you for listening and watching because without you, there's no me. There's no WAGS, there is no Luke Whitbin, and there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin, reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Jeremy Boyer, play us out.
You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.